RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Oh, baby, it is football season. College football in full, full mode, schedule mode, NFLs this week and this week right here. Oh, my God, we got baseball postseason races that are heating up. I got to play baseball for the first time in close to like 15 years, nine innings in the media game inside Tropicana Field. It was awesome. You feel young for a day. It was tremendous. I'll get you I, plenty of stories. The whole Brady thing. Oh my God, it's out of control. This and that. We'll get to all of that. But I have not one, but two great guests today on the Rock Stops here. All right. I said, I'm loading up for you and we're full go because I'm in such a good mood. Number one, Pat Kerwin, NFL. He is Sirius XM NFL Radio. He and Jim Miller have a show called Moving the Chains. It is so informative if you are an NFL a football fan. And what a career he has from high school coach, uh, college coach, an assistant, worked his way up in the NFL with three different teams, one from scouting and then all the way up to doing the uh, the whole salary cap for the New York Jets, director of player administration. He negotiated contracts. So he's just had all phases of it. He's been in the media now for a long time. I sat down with him. Couldn't have been nicer. So Pat Kerwin, great guest, very interesting. And he makes his return, Anthony Becht. The former NFL tight end, he played college football at West Virginia, known as a Buccaneer, a New York Jet. I think he was with the Chiefs for a little bit. But anyway, he is now the head coach of the XFL St. Louis team, the Battle Hawks. Why is this time, why is the XFL going to make it this time? And I had a nice long talk with him. You get a little behind the scenes of the XFL with Rock, uh, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson. So what we'll do is, Anthony Beck, they got you on deck. Okay. Very interesting. But let's bring in Pat Kerwin. Incredible, incredible background. And uh, very, very football knowledgeable. Here he is. Here he is. The one, the only, Pat Kerwin. All right, I am with Pat Kerwin, Moving the Chains, such a successful, popular show on Sirius XM NFL Radio, and it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Rock Stops here. How are you doing today, Pat? Doing great, Rock. Glad, glad to see you over here. You know, you've had such an interesting background. Uh, basically, we don't have to go too far back, but basically, you coached on the high school level and then on college and then getting your foot in the door in the NFL. When you were coaching on the high school level, was your goal at the time to be in the NFL? Yes, it was. And the irony of a lot of things, I did have a couple of part-time stops along the way, Tampa Bay Bucks, working for Eric Widmark and, um, and Jim Gruden. But you'll laugh when I tell you this. From my office at the Jets when I was the general manager, I could see the high school field I coached at, and I could see the college field I coached at. And I went to the same Dunkin' Donuts every morning at all three places. That is awesome. Yeah, so I never left about a half a mile strip, and I got high school, college, and pro football into it. 
So, okay. So, you know, you start out on the lower rung in, in pro football and you keep on moving yourself up, not only being, you know, an assistant coach, but you were a scout for many years. And then you also move up in the front office. You even did contracts and then you go into broadcasting. Was that something you had your eye on or did you just kind of fall into that path? Well, the transition, the football part was always my passion and I was going to do whatever it took to get to the end of the NFL rung, which I did. But I learned a lot about myself on the way. And I had opportunities after I left the Jets to go to the Chargers, the Bears, the Redskins, now the Commanders, and, and Seattle with Pete, guys that I would, had coached with. Uh, but by then, I had made the transition to the media and I loved it. And I, I didn't, I wanted to pursue, I, I was writing a book when the last offer was from Seattle. And I said, Pete, I'd love to come and be with you. We've been friends forever, but I'm finishing this book. I'm into this radio thing and I'm going to give it everything I got, which I turned out that I loved. And I get my coaching by being prepared for the show. I have the NFL Today show on CBS. I've been there for 17 years managing the talent and helping those guys uh, cl- I clarify for them what they want to talk about. They don't need help in a lot of ways, but but I want to make sure this show has a lot of spontaneity. So I know what each guy's going to do, and I know which guy's going to counter each guy, but I never let them know. We'd have to have you know some kind of explosion on the set every day. So, And I'm the one who has the detonator. So, <laughs> so it is fun. And I feel like that's still a coaching job in a lot of ways. I have to watch a lot of film. Phil Sims demands that of me, and Bill Cower as well. So I feel like I have to get up and watch tape for those guys. I get up and watch a lot of tape for my show. Um, and the media thing for me, the first 10 years of the media, I did a lot of writing. Uh, NFL.com. Um, uh, let's see here. CBS.com. And prior to those two, I was with CNNSI. Which, so then I was writing for C, uh, Sports Illustrated's website. I, I liked the writing, but I really enjoyed the radio. And I found that the radio can let me get into a subject and stick my teeth into it. TV is sound bites and even articles. They don't like them big. They want a headline, a bite in first paragraph, and then you're kind of out. So that didn't satisfy me. The radio has more than satisfied me and I hope to be able to do it the rest of my life. You know, you know what I'm finding out when I'm interviewing these, uh, you guys and ladies that have made it to the top. It's unbelievable how many from Schrager to all that are on TV or radio tell me that they had a writing background. And in this day and age, people want to get in the business and writing is very important. And then also on the analyst side, everybody that I talk to is like, you got to watch film, man. You've got to watch film. Uh, One guy told me it's the boringest thing to him, but you have to do it. So you really do have to do the work, don't you? Well, let's use the draft as an example. So I'm involved with the draft, obviously, when I'm at the Jets. And we know who we're going to take. We're either going to take you or me at this pick. And then we we have it sorted out. So when we pick a player, go downstairs and tell the media why we took the player. When you do the draft for the media, like I've done for the last 17 years now, I don't know who you're going to take. And I got to, I have to have a response to every pick. Is he a fit for this team? What's the scheme he's going to be in? What's the depth of the position? Why did they take the guy? So I've told all of my friends in the league, I said, try doing the draft for radio. It's way harder and you have no prep time. Like I know I'm going to draft Jimmy Miller. 
in the sixth round. But when the sixth round comes in, in the radio world or the TV world, I'll tell you about my first draft I ever did for media. You'll laugh. When the sixth round comes, I got to be able to respond to every pick. And I sat next to Gil Brandt for every one of these drafts. And I've got my computer because I build a database and I'm ready to go. Gil just comes by himself. And we were in the seventh round about six years ago, and I finally said, I got 350 players in my database. There's 256 kids getting drafted. I don't know who this guy is. I just said, Gil, I never heard of this kid. Gil takes the mic from me and goes, well, his mom played tennis at many, <laughs> and so, you know, his dad played two years in Canadian football. And, and I go, and folks, that's why he's, he's Gil Brandt, and I'm not. <laughs> Now, to have such a successful, long-running radio show, obviously you guys both are a little bit different, you know, you come at it a little bit differently. You both do your homework, obviously. But what do you think the key is to success for you guys being so popular for so long, Pat? Well, Jim and I, and before Jim, there was Tim Ryan and myself, T-Rock as they like to call him. So we never meet. We never have a planning meeting before the show. We refused, as I learned one thing in television, that the best television you can do is spontaneous television. We both know enough, and we're going to react to each other's opinion without rehearsing. We never rehearse, never would, never will. So that's the first part. The second part is, he's a quarterback. I'm a front office guy. So we both see the exact same game from different points of view. And... I'm winning him over. He started talking about cutting players this year, which a front of this guy would do. <laughs> <laughs> now, just a couple more. How about when you come from being in the league yeah. to going and you got to give your opinion yeah. and some guys, they had, they are, they're afraid to do that. And then players come back. I was talking to Chris Sims and he's like, you know, I get these players. I'll say such good things about them. The one time I criticize them, then they get on me and I go, listen, play better. So we're, you know, yeah. did you ever have a problem with that? No, what about that? It's a very good question. And it's a moment of truth for everyone who's been in the league who gets into this. You have to decide if your plan is to go back in the league, then don't waste your time here because you won't give an opinion. You'll be soft. You'll be trying to protect people. When you get in this and you mean it, like I don't ever want to leave it. You have to have an opinion. You have to give your opinion and then you have to defend your opinion because it's one thing to say, I, they should cut that guy. You should be saying things like, he dropped 17 balls on third down, on the money down. So it, you have to have a rationale for it. All right. Listen, thank you so, so much, man. It's an honor and a pleasure. Continued, uh, continued success. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, too. Yeah, you know, you know what works with Pat Curran? I don't know if you have SiriusXM, but if you don't, he and his co-host, Jim Miller. Jim Miller's a former quarterback. I got him. He's going to be here on uh, the Rock Stops here. They just get along really good. They they work well. One has one strength, the other one with the other strengths. And, you know, they're not afraid to go at it, but yet they just, they got the camaraderie. They really work together well. And it just comes through. It comes through. You know, when these program directors or direct news directors or whatever, when they have these shows, you know, camaraderie, man, what works? You know, it's almost like a team. The offensive line all has to work as one unit. If one guy is off, it's screwed up, you know, and they don't put enough emphasis on that. You know, does this guy get along with this person or whatever? But anyway, Pat Kerwin, 
Thank you very much. I had been sitting on that interview. Finally got to play it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's transition now. Anthony Becht. He makes his return. Anthony Becht is very, very successful and has been post-NFL career. A lot of guys, when they get out of the NFL, and understandably so, you know, their whole career has been to make it to the show, to be the best on the field at their position. And they have to work 100% on that, studying film. Their body has to be right. They have to look for little nuances and how to, because everybody, when you get to the NFL level, like everybody's a good athlete. Everybody is a top athlete. What's going to, how are you going to stand out? How are you going to be able to, everybody's, every year they're drafting the top players, man. You've seen that combine. You see this talent. Somebody, a young stud's coming to take your gig. Well, if that's all you've been studying for and working on, all of a sudden you're out of the NFL, say at, uh, even if you go as long as like 32 years old, 33, 29, 30, you're a young man. What do you do? Anthony Becht is very, very successful in everything that he does, not, has done. Uh, broadcasting, business ventures, his camps, uh, you know, he's a good dad and, and, and husband, all that jazz. But I was like, wow, when I saw that he got the head coaching job in the XFL with some other huge names, I was like, how the heck did Anthony get that? Well, he tells you in here, he was persistent. He wanted to be a head coach in the XFL. He believed in it, the backing, the money that they have. It always comes down to how much money do the owners that buy this thing, what do they got? You got to have the deep pockets. It's like in any business. You're not, you're not going to really make it. Usually it takes a while. It doesn't matter what it is. But you got to have the backing, the financial backing, when the times are tough as you're building. And he really believes the XFL is going to make it this time. But he's the head coach in St. Louis. So anyway, I caught up with him uh, at Bucks camp. He was out there. He had the XFL hat on. He was kind of scouting and looking, you know, because players that are released in the NFL, here's your opportunity now. Here is your opportunity. So without further ado, let me bring him in. The big man, the former tight end, now XFL head coach. Here he is, Big Anthony, Anthony Becht. All right, Anthony Becht. All right, the NFL legend. We all know him in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, but congratulations on being the head coach of the St. Louis franchise of the XFL. Congrats. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, persistence is, a, is one of my, uh, I guess, true virtues. And I really pressed hard for this opportunity when DJ and Danny Garcia, River Capital, bought the XFL back in August of 2020. And uh, I was like, you know what? I got to be a head coach in this league. So you know, I was just glad to get in front of the right people, get my opportunity to just sell a vision. And it was in line with a lot of the things they were looking for for one of their spots as a head coach. And uh, got the call back and, and got that opportunity. So just blessed and humbled. It's a lot of uh, really good candidates that were obviously uh, in the mix. But uh, I feel like my full gamut of experiences uh, were voted well for what they wanted. And uh, looking forward to it, you know, putting together a great staff, uh, you know, season comes around right after the uh, Super Bowl for the, for the NFL, and uh, we're rocking and rolling. If we're looking for players, we're here today seeing some of the legends, former players, and, of course, looking at some of these guys that, quite frankly, aren't going to make the team and, and looking for a place to play and develop. So that's our spot in the XFL. 
Yeah, I was looking at the other head coaches, those that have been hired in the XFL, big names, good football men. And then I, okay, so I see you. And then they were like, all right, waiting to see where the franchise is. Oh, Orlando, St. Louis. But St. Louis, you're very, very happy. And I know that they are starving, man, after losing the NFL, aren't they? Yeah, best fan base in the XFL 2020. Um, you know, they have 40 plus thousand fans, and they're open up the third level. Uh, the upper level for uh, their last game, which was obviously shut down with COVID. So they're diehards. I try to engage with the fan base, obviously, being on social media. You know, everybody's kind of clamoring. But just I think it's great. That's the spot I wanted. I mean, obviously, being down here, maybe being in Orlando or maybe up in D- D.C. where, uh, you know, I'm from in that area, in the Philadelphia area, would have been nice. But having some roots in St. Louis, playing there, and obviously that's the best fan base. I think that's an exciting place to start. I mean, you know, having that experience for the players situationally on the field to be around fans with the noise and all that stuff, uh, that's going only going to help them. So I think from a developmental standpoint across the board, it's going to be uh, one of the best places to play. Now, you, I can see it. You're smiling. Why do you think this time it is going to work? I know the NFL has kind of partnered a little bit. I think that's huge. You've been around it. Why do you think this is going to this is going to make it, Anthony? Well, you're right. The NFL did partner up with us. Obviously, it's 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 baby steps, right? But letting them know, you know, look, and we're trying to figure out a way where we can come together. You know, innovations, uh, technologies, rules, uh, you know, officiating, development, all those kind of things will be the early on stages of what that uh, that team part will be between the NFL. And then, you know, the reason why obviously these leagues don't make is the business side. It's it's the money. It's the the uh, the vision to have you know long term success without splurging early on and and trying to overdo certain areas. I think uh, with Redbird Capital as the main money providers behind this, great vision. Um, you know these are these are folks that don't deal with small time potatoes, small time opportunities. You know, not not looking to make a ten percent gain on what they're doing. They're trying to really turn something over, and uh, they have some great ideas. They have things that are in line to make this thing be a long term play. And uh, obviously the passion between, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, you know, that these are these are two folks that are, you know, their acumen in the business side is, is huge. And with the following with DJ is, is just unbelievable. So, uh, you know, and DJ always preaches being that 54th guy, the guy that didn't get a chance to play in the NFL that needed a league like the XFL. So uh, they're all about the, the, the players and the fans. And I think that's how that will grow this league moving forward, and hopefully we can have some success on my team in St. Louis doing the same thing. When you say DJ, that is for our fans, that is the rock. Yes. You must call him DJ. I see every time he's given a speech to the hopefuls, it's like opportunity, opportunity. What is he really like? We only know him as a as a star on the big screen, the, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. What is the rock really like? Yeah, he's great, uh, very humble, uh, You know, easy to talk to. Uh, a guy that, uh, obviously, like I said, very passionate about you know, this and this venture and what he's getting involved in. The guy's a workaholic. I mean, you know, the fact that he's able just to work out every day is amazing. You see him on Instagram and all the social media. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's constantly around just a crew of people. I mean, it's, a, it's not easy being you know, the rock, right? And I give him a lot of credit, man. Anything he's doing, he's all in on it at that moment. And I think you can really appreciate somebody that actually cares about every waking second of the day, and it all matters to him. And uh, it's great. You know, a guy that's reached the pinnacle like he has could easily just kind of break his schedule up and do the things he do. But to take on something like this, a vision a vision and venture like this, uh, is remarkable. And he's putting the time in. He's there. He's, uh, you know, he's embodying everything, all the ideas and different things, the meetings, the 
the, the showcases that we're at. He's been to, you know, most of the showcases. So uh, it's been great to be a part of him. Anytime he's there, I try to talk to him, say hi. It's a little surreal for me. I mean, I've met a lot of, you know, celebrities, important people. But when you re- meet a guy like The Rock, I mean, it's like, wow, you know, this is pretty important. He's my boss now. So it's, uh, and I, you know, you see his passion. And for me, you want it to, you want to do great for, for, the, for ownership because those are the kind of people that you really want to kind of do well for. And uh, him and, and Danny Garcia Redbird, they're just excellent from a leadership standpoint. And uh, I'm going to go out there and do my best to promote the league, build the league, and, of course, be the best coach I can in the league. Well, congratulations, Anthony Becht, head coach, XFL, St. Louis, all the success in the world. And good luck to your son, too, at Iowa State. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man. All right, I wish you well, Anthony. And you know what I was thinking about it? Like I've said, oh, the XFL to some people or that U.S. Oh, it's a spring league. It never makes it. It never makes it. Well, if you know what you are, you're not going to try to compete with the NFL. You can't. Don't even try to compete with college football. Just be an alternative, a good alternative for football fans in the spring. Not everybody is a baseball fan. Some like to get away. Some want to just see or check out a game. And if it's run right, that's all you need. So anyway, well, I wish him well. Sees with St. Louis. Orlando has a team. We can go down the list. But anyway, that's, that's, that's coming down the road. But I thank Anthony. Uh, pleasure, Anthony. Thank you, buddy. Best of luck to you. Get me a gig in the XFL. Um, nah, he's, he's great. I bust his chops. But anyway, I got to tell you, man. It it really blows me away. I was in the locker room for the first time uh, since the pandemic. It was three years. It's been about three years since we have been in the locker room during a weekday. I was in the locker room after the first preseason game for the first time since COVID um, with the Lightning. They brought players in when they were in the Stanley Cup. It might have been the Eastern Conference Final or the Stanley Cup. But they brought him in. It was kind of like a, what they call a media scrum. Wasn't really in the locker room. I've been in the uh, clubhouse for the t- baseball, Major League Baseball, Tampa Bay Rays. But this was the first time. And I looked over. I'm like, wow, there's Brady's locker. So that's where Brady is. He's right by the door. And then they have two separate uh, empty lockers next to him. He's the he's the goat, you know. He wasn't in there during the, they call it media availability. You only get about a half hour. Uh, a couple of times a week, definitely on a Wednesday, definitely on a Thursday. We're in regular season mode now. And I was just thinking like, wow, I'm standing here. There's Tom Brady's locker. Brady is in the building. I'm in the building for the first time in three years. And he is one of the most talked about athletes right now in the country, you know? And there's just so much. I would not want to be that popular where he can't go anywhere in public. Like, look, he's got so much money. I'm not saying, wow, wah, 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 it's me. Um, But these tabloids, like, I saw a thing last week, breaking news, New York Post. I'm like, all right, well, New York Post, it's been around a long time, but it was page six. That's their gossip uh, page. Does very well. 
And it's like, when I read the whole story, it's like, what's your proof? Oh, a source says that, oh, that he and Giselle are fighting. A source says that Giselle just left the family to go to Costa, Costa Rica. Yeah, but she also had a gig in Costa Rica. You know, Burberry or whatever it is, the uh, company that she's doing the modeling for. And, uh, you know, did she really leave? If I, you know what, man? Everybody, every relationship, you're going to have fights. You're going to have arguments. You know, it's just amazing to me the amount of publicity, interest with the GOAT. And I'm just, I'm really, really interested on how this is all going to play out this year. Because watching him on the field just with his arm, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not being a homer because I live here in Tampa Bay and I cover the Buccaneers and I'm Joe Positive and Joe Rah-Rah. No, if the Buccaneers want to pay me, I gladly would work for that organization. I hit up Jeff Ryan all the time with the Bucs. Hey, man, anybody in the Buccaneers ready now? You ever need me? Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. you know my budget. You know my budget. But, uh, but I don't work for the Bucs. I'm going to call like it is. And I'm not being a homer here. His arm strength, his delivery... His mechanics are off the charts. It looks like a 22-year-old arm. And, I, you know, Bruce Arians last week was on this whole media tour. He was, uh, he was promoting uh, a cholesterol, you know, get your cholesterol checked. What happens is a lot of times these companies, they will use an athlete or a former coach or a big name and they will pay them to promote what they have going on. And they will have PR people that will set them up. Like Bruce Arians was on CBS this morning. He was on Barstool. He was over at, uh, he was everywhere in New York. And I watched the Barstool interview. It was very good. Big Cat and the other guy, the commissioner. And it was very, they were really good. But he said, and he wasn't just throwing this out there. He's not the coaching of now. He's like, his arm is better now than it was before when he was with the Patriots. And I believe that. I've seen that. And it's about his pliability and it's just maybe his genes. It's incredible. But with all this po- this this negative news behind the scenes, and you know, Brady kind of put this on himself by not Look, you are in the public eye. People are like, it doesn't matter. Who, who cares? Who cares about what he's doing? Yeah, but yeah, but he's the GOAT, man. This is just how it, it comes with the territory. When you're the greatest of all time, you're currently playing, you're 45 years old, he's NFL Network's number one player, voted on by players in the league, peers. They believe that the GOAT is the best now. Um, with it comes, with it comes all this uh this publicity, man, that's just how it is. So anyway, I, I, I'm really, really curious on how this is going to play out this year. I don't know. And I will let you know if I find out anything. Okay. Now the Brady thing on how he's able to do what he's doing at 45 years old. I got, I told you now it's a little bit about what happened this week, last week. I had been sick prior the week prior and really kind of drained. And I was like, I haven't played in a baseball game, even though the pitchers are lobbing it, but you're still out on a baseball, a major league baseball field. 
glove, hardball, bats. You got to wear a helmet. You know, it's still baseball, catching, throwing, hitting, running. And it had been about, I think it's almost 15 years. I swear to God. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Getting to do what you want to do, getting to do again. You feel like a kid and all that. And I, I did not take one picture myself. I did not post anything. I was like, I'm just in the moment. I had my phone in the dugout. I brought both of my mitts, my old mitt that is falling apart inside, but I still love it. I ended up using that, a new mitt that I had, um, a little water bottle. And that was it. And I was like, I was just, did you ever just like soak up? Like I'm taking advantage of every second of being here and appreciating the Tampa Bay Rays doing this for us. They didn't do it for COVID the years prior. I wasn't really covering the Rays kind of in and out of the media. And I bet you it's been 15 years, 14 years, 13 years, something like that. So I've been throwing a ball against a wall here at a tennis court uh, for about a week to 10 days and not every day. And I got to tell you, I thought that maybe I would pitch a couple of innings. They had two young studs that were, that do things for the Rays. One was the Eckert coach. He's a young guy, Eckert college, their baseball coach. The other guy, I'm not sure who he is. I've seen both of them around the Rays. They do camps. They do things for the Rays, but they're young guys. They threw and they just lob it in there so you can hit, but I'm glad they did. So I played first base. I'm a lefty and I played all nine innings and it was just tremendous. And I thought I am probably going to be sore because you're using muscles. I go to the gym. I go to the gym almost every day, only for about a half hour, 40 minutes, anytime fitness, pretty much every day, unless I've had one too many beers the night before and then I don't. I, I, I don't tax my part. <laughs> uh, I just don't do that the next day. And and those nights of having a couple of too many beers, that's few and far between anymore. Those days, I, I just, I, I, I can't. Um, but anyway, so I thought I'm going to be sore. And I woke up and I was a little sore. Certain muscles swinging about, like certain muscles in my back, certain muscles in my legs that you're just not using, just being on the field and, you know, but it wasn't, it was a good sore. It was like muscles. It was a good sore. It wasn't. And I say, you know what? I'm going to force myself to go to Anytime Fitness. And I stretched out my hamstrings a little bit and I hit the weights. I don't lift heavy at all, you know. And I did the cycle and this and that. And once I came out, I really hardly wasn't sore because that's like lactic acid buildup in your legs and your, your certain parts of your body. Now, after I sat around for a couple of hours and then headed down to the trop, then I got a little bit sore, but it really wasn't that bad. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was, it was so funny because it was a kid that was third baseman, young guy. And he played at Southeastern University. I think it's down in the Miami area. And he was a pitcher, but he, and, and he played third base on the team that I was on. And I've seen him. He works for the Rays. He gets sound. Well, sound is meaning going in after games and getting interviews for this Neil Solons. And he's a good dude. I knew he was young, but I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I said, how old are you, man? He goes, 24. I'm like, you're 24? 
does he know how many years older I am than him? And I was like, you know what? I feel pretty damn good and fortunate that I'm able to still do it. And I hope I can keep on doing it each and every year. My goal is to keep on going. I don't want to be that guy that they're like, oh, why is he out on the field? Like if you can't catch, if I couldn't scoop the bounce throws to first, if I couldn't make contact, if you can't throw. But I will tell you that I'm not going to go out there. I'm not, you know, but so far so good. And it was great. It was so, so, so cool. And everybody had such a good vibe because we haven't, they haven't done this because of COVID. And then everybody they treated to hot dogs, hamburgers, mac and cheese, salad, chips, cookies, drinks. There was even beers there if you wanted. It was only like 1.30 in the afternoon, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to have a beer or two here. But uh, it and everybody was in such just such a good mood, just so fortunate, so cool. So my thanks to the Rays organization, and it was really, really neat. But my whole thing is you got to stay active. The, the older people that I talk to, everyone that I say, what is your secret? You got to stay active. Force yourself to walk, go to the, if it isn't the gym, if that isn't your thing, do something. You have got to stay active. You can't because if you don't, you're going to go fast, buddy. <laughs> and we don't want that. So that was kind of neat. And so now, now, so that it was awesome. I want to thank also uh, the Pat and Aaron show on uh, WDAE in Tampa. They had me on again at pregame. They were broadcasting live from there and they were just having a blast. They had these cameras set up. You know what the Rays also did? They set up, they had a camera crew come in. They had shots. The big camera from center field was working. All of batting practice, the game. They had camera people, third base, first base side. They had a crew set up for that. I mean, it it made you feel like you were like a major leaguer for a day. How cool is that? Now I see. You know, I've always seen over the years these fantasy camps. And when I was playing, still playing in men's league, I was like, oh, my God, a fantasy camp? Oh, my God. I know the guy that is the photographer for the New York Yankees here in Tampa for these fantasy camps. His name is Cliff and he, he does bucks, you know, he does a lot of different things, but he told me it's one of the favorite things that he photographs every year is the fantasy camps. It's retired greats in the organization and they pay them, they come back down here and it's, you know, beautiful weather and they play alongside these people that pay a lot of money to have uniforms and get fed and play and play in games. And, but now I get it when you get older to make you feel like you're still young again. It Now I see. It's almost like being in a fantasy camp for a day. Oh, and what was really neat was we were playing our media game at Tropicana Field. If you're outside of this area, Tropicana Field is the indoor. I know it takes, it gets a lot of criticism. 
you can't play baseball indoors and I don't like the the C ring, the A ring and a pinball machine if it's a home run. I that I don't like. It's ridiculous. But being down here in Florida, we were talking about this during the game. It's 72 degrees, air conditioned. You never have to worry about getting rained on, lightning strike. You never have to worry about sweating. You never have to worry about getting soaked and then still sitting in your in the bleachers. Uh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about it. Like, if there was no dome down here and it's 95 degrees and the humidity, the heat index is like 105, who wants to sit in that and pay Major League Ballpark pricing? Do you? Who wants to sit in a 105 heat index? So you got to have either retractable roof or, uh, and retractable roof costs so much. I was telling this to a guy that was playing second base uh, in the media game. We were just talking about it in between innings. I remember years and years ago when the Rays were on their run and they went to the World Series against the Phillies. They beat the Boston Red Sox in the ALCS. And I remember some of the national writers in October coming here into the trap. And one particular writer, he's a national writer. He's been around a long time. And I remember pulling up in the media parking lot on the grass field uh, across the street from Tropicana Field. And I remember he pulled up in a convertible and he had a big smile on his face. And when we went in the trop and we were covering batting practice and he was talking to another guy and he's like, I got to TIA and I said, and it was October. And he goes, I got to rent a convertible. He goes, it's awesome. My friend who I used to work with in Plattsburgh, New York, WPTZ, my NBC affiliate, my first TV gig, Tim Singer, he was freelancing working for TBS. They had, I think, Cal Ripken Jr. on the broadcast. He was doing like pregame uh, and they were also doing like their own show behind the scenes and all this stuff. And he was, he lives in um, upstate New York, Vermont, that, you know, that area, the, the north. And he said, he was just like, oh my God, man, my hotel is in downtown St. Pete. He goes, I went to the pool today. And I got some rays, some, you know, suntan. And uh, I walked around downtown St. Pete and it's gorgeous. So if you were able to have a retractable roof, it wouldn't be long. Like the month of April would be cool. And maybe some of May. And then if your team is in the postseason, maybe mid to late September in October, that would be nice. But other than that, you got to have a dome. So anyway, so I got a little baseball fix. I'm happy. I did well. I didn't pull any muscle. That was my biggest thing. I don't want to pull a hamstring or a quad. But when I did throw the ball, playing first base, every time I would throw the ball back to our pitcher, I had nothing on my arm. I re- it's called like in spring training, pitchers to get their arm and shoulder in shape, they go through a period called a dead arm period where it's just dead. You got to go through that too. Well, me trying to get my arm in shape 
throwing a ball against a wall for 10 days or seven days, that ain't going to do it. And when I got to the trop, even though I felt good, my arm, I could, I was like, is it going to go here? It, I, I had nothing on it. No zip. I was like, I got a dead arm. <laughs> Thank God. They had two young studs in the Rays organization throw batting practice to us. So next year, if I'm alive, because when you're older now, it's just like, I hope I make it to another year. And I'm healthy enough, I hope I'm still physically able to. That's how it goes now. I am going to swing. I'm going to go to local batting cages. There's a place called Celebration Station in Clearwater. Because here was my thing. I was telling my wife this. I came back. When I first got uh, in the batting cage and the guy was just lobbing it in i was like i had a couple of dub dubbers like it's timing like i haven't seen the ball in like 15 years and when i threw the ball against the wall i'm like okay i'm gonna get my arm in shape should i go to the batting cages i'll try uh you know what i think it's kind of cool that i haven't swung a bat in 15 years i'll just i'll just see what that's like i'm not gonna do that again because my timing was off I hit one to the right field. I fouled it. I was way ahead of it. It's timing. And when you're older, it's the eyesight. Two other guys that were a little older. Everybody was young by 30 years playing, but they both said the same thing. It's like the ball. It's our eyesight. It like jumps on. It comes at you faster. Reaction time. There'd be a ground ball. And I looked down and my mind still said, but by the time I went to bend down and, and it was by me, like, your reaction time is slower. <laughs> yeah, I'm older. We're older. So anyway, it was a great, great week. Hopefully you have a great week. Do something that you love to do. Make give make time for yourself, whatever it is. And uh, my thanks to Anthony Becht, head coach of the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks. My thanks to... Moving the Chains, Pat Kerwin, Sirius XM NFL Radio. So you got a double dose today. You got Sorry Ass Me. And uh, we'll see what happens next week. Hopefully I'll be here to talk to you. That's it. We'll take it a day at a time, right? Day at a time. Thanks. Thanks so much, man, for listening to the Rock Stops here. I'll talk to you next week, guys. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>